the moments that matter to us the most are the moments when there's something that falls away and we just feel that sense of, of being at home. And, and the reason that we long to belong is because the truth is that we do belong. When we feel that experience of being at one with, we're really living from the truth of our being, just as the trees belong in the woods, we're, we're part of this living web. So it's, a, it's an at-home kind of quality. When we investigate moments that we feel happy, when I say happy, a real sense of well-being, it's not hitched to, oh, things are going my way, but just happy. What we find, there's kind of a few common denominators, is that the self-story has quieted. When we're really happy, there's not a sense of a fixating on the narrative of self. There's more of an open quality. And that open quality has a sense of a part of, that there's a sense of trusting and belonging to and being engaged with a greater experience than that egoic self. And if we flip it and we investigate moments when we're stuck and when we're suffering, we're going to find the opposite. The self-narrative is definitely charged up. There's a sense of me. The world is out there. There's a sense of of real distance from the world. And and there's generally a sense of, in some way, uh, not only am I separate, but something's wrong. There's a kind of a fear. There's a, a mistrust of oneself or of the world. It goes in that direction. So not belonging and mistrust go together. Because when we don't belong then something feels wrong. We feel like something bad can happen to us. We can't trust ourselves for being enough or something's wrong with the world. It's often outside our consciousness, this sense of not belonging and mistrust. It's not something we go around going, oh, this moment I'm not feeling belonging and I'm not trusting things. It's not, that's not really part of our filter, usually consciously. It's unconscious but it profoundly shapes our reality. And you'll find in different explorations of the spiritual path, there's different filters we examine, and this is the filter we'll examine tonight, which is the the pathway to feeling belonging and trust, and the genesis of not feeling belonging, the way that mistrust happens. So Einstein, as many of you have heard, because this is one of the more famous reported things that he said, we don't know exactly the language he said it in, but he said the most important question a person can ask is, is this universe a friendly place? So some of you familiar with that? Is this universe a friendly place? In other words, do we intuit a oneness, an inherent oneness or goodness or benevolence or love, that even though there's insanity and craziness and total ignorance and hatred and cruelty, all that stuff's true, there's some inherent presence or love that when everything's uncontorted is there. And if we can really come into presence, we can find it. Do we sense that, that oneness there, that belonging? So you might ask yourself, what happens when you contemplate that? Do you perceive the universe as a friendly place? You might just sense, what's that like for me to to explore that? Do I, is there some basic trust that there's benevolence or love to take refuge in? 
to come back home to, that it's there. I might be out of touch with it, but it's there. Is there a basic trust? And you can continue to let this be a a contemplation for you through this talk and beyond, but I'll just name that for many people, there's a desire to have that trust, and there's a desire to perceive oneness and belonging, but when it's directly in front of us, we kind of draw a blank, or else we say, no, actually, I feel separate, and um, I don't have a reason to trust myself or the world. And I just want to name that that's part of our evolutionary predicament, that we are conditioned to feel separate and apart from the world, and out of that to develop a whole world of defenses and aggression and so on. So that's natural. And we have within our uh, equipment here the capacity to pay attention in a way that wakes us up from that perception of separation. They're both true. So the good news is that meditative practice, that this training we're doing in paying attention to what's right here and waking up our heart actually evolves us. It actually, the veils of separation begin to dissolve. And there's a unit of experience, something indivisible that we discover, not even we're resting in, it is what we are. That's the discovery. That goes hand in hand with trust. If you know you're the ocean, you're not afraid of the waves. The waves are still there, but you're not afraid. There's trust. So if we look at the genesis of mistrust, all incarnation is designed to feel separate. All organisms sense a kind of Uh, what's me and what's the world out there and gets organized around that. That's just what happens in evolution. And there's a negativity bias which scans for what's wrong. That's just part of the way creatures are designed. Scan for what's wrong so we can protect ourselves. And there's a vigilance that comes with it. I often describe it as we have a nervous system. You know, we're we're anxious about what's going to happen, right? So there's the inherent flawedness and I could say in a a much bigger way, with any sense of the egoic self, there's also a sense that something's wrong. Because it's just evolution's bias. There's a sense of separateness and not okay. Do you ever notice how even if you've done nothing wrong, if somebody blames you for it, you still feel guilty? It's like it's so deep in us to assume something's wrong. And there's the question, how do you do it? if there's hostility awaiting you? How do you do it if others aren't trying to be more conscious and are actually caught in their own reactivity in a way that can be hurtful? So this is really a question about, well, what does it really mean to trust basic goodness if there's danger around? You know, or should we be trusting ourselves? You know, what if, the, the question comes to me over and over again, well, how can I trust myself when I see how I keep on hurting myself or hurting others? How can I trust myself when I'm doing an addictive behavior that I know is ruining my life? These are really important questions. So I don't want to kind of uh, gloss over them as we talk about basic trust because in some way we use our mistrust and our self-judgment to motivate ourselves to be different. So, shifting our attention purposefully 
it's interesting that we keep finding over and over again that others might look at us and see our goodness, our value, our, our beauty, and it can be so difficult to sense that or trust that. Um, it's such a, a deep part of us to... It's almost... It's dangerous not to be vigilant, not to doubt ourselves, not to judge ourselves. It's almost like judging, oh, then at least I have a way to fix myself and become the person I want to be. You know? Robert Johnson, who's a Jungian analyst, says, curiously, people resist the noble aspects of themselves, the unacknowledged traits, more strenuously than they hide the dark side. It is more disrupting to find that you have profound nobility of character than to find out you are a bum. So consider that, that it's easier to live in that familiar, flawed, limited self. At least we know that. We've got our defenses regularly available. It's easier to live that way than to, in that mistrust than to consider this profound capacity each of us has to love without holding back, to really sense with wisdom the reality that's right here, to live from wholeness. We have this capacity. So the first of these practices is learn to turn towards the light, turn towards what's possible, just to begin to practice that. I'd like to do a brief um, guided meditation on this. And the beginning of this guided meditation is the aspiration to realize and trust the spirit that lives through you, the light or the goodness that's here. Just that wish to, that sincere uh, aspiration to trust who you are. It doesn't really matter what happens in the meditation, only that you feel your own sincerity about trusting yourself, that that's the longing there, the longing to belong to the truth of who you are. And the more sincere that longing, the more it'll carry you into belonging. The longing comes from a sense of how many moments we've sacrificed living in a very limited sense of ourselves and letting that govern how much we can experience and let in and offer love and let it govern how creative we can be, how much we can enjoy our moments. So we feel that sincerity, that yearning, please may I belong to truth to the spirit that lives through me. And then just to sense you are an awakening Buddha. And by that, the word Buddha, you are spirit, light, love, that's awakening through this human incarnation.
you are awareness awakening through this human incarnation. And the signs are that longing and sincerity about transforming. That's a sign of the spirit that lives through you. It's calling you home. Another sign is the yearning to love more fully. That's that awakening awareness calling you home. And another sign is this increasing honesty with yourself. And another sign of this awareness awakening through you is appreciation for beauty. The moments of awe and wonder, that's awareness awakening through you. Another sign is when you're appreciating goodness, just just really loving the goodness in others or that you see in the world. Another sign is loving truth. Loving love. Sense that you are spirit awakening through this body, shining through these cells, the spaces between the cells. That the intelligence of the universe, the love of the universe is living through you, waking up through you. And just imagine for a moment, what if you fully trusted that? The word faith in Pali means to lay your heart on what is true. What if you totally trusted this? That your deepest identity is awareness awakening to itself through this body. Love coming to fullness through this human incarnation. What if you trusted that? Who would you be if you trusted that basic goodness and beauty is living through you? How would your life be different if you trusted that spirit, love, awareness is what you are? The purpose of meditation is to reveal who we are, who we all are, because when we start waking up to the sense of there's this awareness and love that's unfolding through this body-mind, we start seeing the exact same thing in each other. To the degree we're living in a sense of I am just this ego, we will just see the mask on others. So we're waking up to all of our, our true nature, 
And imagining is powerful. If you imagine that you are uh, spirit or love or awareness waking up right here, uh, that actually allows you to experience more directly what's true. It's interesting in science now with MRIs they can actually show what's going on in the brain when you're imagining things. And what scientists have found is just when you're imagining something versus the actual, having an actual experience, let's say you imagine walking versus just walking, the brain, parts of the brain that are stimulated are exactly the same. The parts of the nervous system that's responding to what's going on is exactly the same. Your heart rhythm changes in exactly the same way. Or the hormones and chemicals released are exactly the same. Imagining and doing or experiencing directly, exactly the same. So you can imagine enlightenment. Just say, I'm going to imagine I'm enlightened. And because the reality is existent as a potential, it's intrinsic, imagining calls it forth. Where attention goes, energy flows. This is powerful stuff, this training ourselves to pay attention. You can either pay attention to what's wrong, or you can start sensing, okay, what I am is this awareness, this love, this tenderness, this wakefulness. And the more moments you do that, there's a shift, and the familiar sense of your being becomes more that. It just builds. So, the Tibetan teachings, O nobly born, O you of glorious origins, remember your radiant true nature, the essence of mind. Trust it. Return to it. It is home. This is the first pathway, and not only to imagine, but to intentionally then go and look to see the goodness in others, like actively look to see it. This is the essence of namaste. Namaste is I see the sacred of the divine in you, and I see it in me, and I see it in all beings. So we actually go into the field and look, and look and mirror it, and let people know, because that's really, really important. And unless we're liberated, We all need reminding. We forget the power of letting another being know what's good about them. We forget that by seeing the beauty and the light and the intelligence and the dearness of another, by seeing and and letting another know, it helps to call it out. It helps them to belong to their own goodness, belong to that larger beingness that's not limited and hitched to the ego. Takes deliberate practice. Takes deliberate practice with others and, and for ourselves even more so to really commit the time to sensing what we can appreciate about ourselves. And in the classical loving-kindness meditation in, in the Buddhist practice, it begins with wherever it's easiest to feel love. And sometimes we can bring, begin with another and sense them loving us and then feel our, our own uh, care for ourselves. Sometimes we're asked that we can just reflect on the qualities we like about ourselves. But I found that that doesn't always work. You can list your qualities and 
you know, say, you know, I'm good at this or whatever, and it doesn't go deep enough. I think what helps us feel our goodness is when we feel our aspiration, when we feel what matters. If you remember what matters to you is honesty, our love, our creativity, our beauty. In those moments, you realize, oh, that's good. That's coming from my essential goodness. The poet Hafez says, admit something. Everyone you see, you say to them, love me. Of course, you would not do this out loud, otherwise someone would call the cops. Still, though, think about this, this great pull in us to connect. Why not become the one who lives with a full moon in each eye that is always saying, with that sweet moon language, what every other eye in this world is dying to hear. Sensing this heart space that can hold and cherish others, that can hold and cherish the life that's right here. Can you imagine trusting that this heart space, this light that shines through, is really the truth of who you are. The deepest expression of who we all are. Really the source of our being. You wouldn't be here right now, or for those of you other places around the globe, you wouldn't be listening right now if you hadn't already touched and had a glimmer of and a taste of basic goodness. If you didn't have some intuition of, of this that lives through us, this, this potential to really love without holding back, this potential to be really touched and care about others, and this potential to be very, very awake, to feel a sense of wonder and deep presence, we've touched it. And of course, because we go into trance, along with having experiences of love and awareness, our deepest longing is to have more of that. So sometimes we're actually touching something and sometimes we're just feeling the longing to touch it, but it's from the same source. It's there. close with a a simple prayer that beings everywhere may come to realize and trust the loving awareness that is the source of being. That this trust and belonging may bring openness, communication, and peace to this world that may ripple out to include all beings everywhere. That all beings everywhere might be filled with loving presence, held in loving presence. May there be peace on earth. May there be peace on earth. May there be peace everywhere. May all beings everywhere awaken and be free. Namaste. Namaste.